All right, I'm going to go ahead and make a mark uh, for, because um, I've Wait, already decided what the cold open is. And that is that I have not seen Nathan in a, well, I don't know when the actual last time was that it I my saw wedding? your face was. It was my wedding. It may have been a year ago. Yeah. Nate, Nathan has a cute little ponytail. <laughs> And I've never seen him in one, and I do not. Oh, it's a, it's in full bun. It's man bun mode. Oh no! It's not man bun. It's a ponytail. What up? What up? It's the outside the boxer. Pew pew pew. Pew pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist back catalog and that artist may be misunderstood unrecognized or dismissed and i'm nathan hunt and i'm cameron dewitt and i can see nathan and his smug little face <laughs> diggity do i'm looking at you cameron God damn it. <laughs> i refuse last week Last week, about an hour after we finished recording, I texted Cameron and I said, perhaps the real diggity-do <laughs> was, <laughs> sorry, perhaps the real diggity-do was the I'm talking to you we made along the way. And I was so mad I didn't actually say that in the episode. Uh, well, if you remember last week, Cameron claimed that my, um, my catchphrase was perhaps the real blank was the blank we made along the way. So callbacks aren't they fun yeah speak on that we we are looking uh, i'm just filling space so nathan can get a little bit drunker <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as you often do <laughs> yeah uh, nathan's been hitting the uh the old mike's sauce uh, mike's uh secret sauce secret drink what's it called <laughs> in space jam oh mike's oh what is it called uh mike's special stuff i think it's called <laughs> <laughs> which is uh a hell of a name to choose think, yeah i was gonna say do you think that that is gonna fly do you think they're gonna do that again in the the new lebron uh space jam that's coming out um i mean they simply must lebron special stuff yeah that has a certain ring to it doesn't them. it <laughs> everyone wants it <laughs> oh boy uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking, talking about, about Billy Joel, as you probably have guessed. <laughs> yeah, an innocent man, and or is he? He he is an innocent man. He keeps reminding us, which uh, methinks the lad doth protest too much. Uh, so this is 1983, Wait, hold an on. innocent man. Wait, what? This is. I'm not proud of this. Is lad and lady are those two are those two words etymol- etymologically related to each other? I sincerely doubt it, but I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Uh, oh no, uh, okay. lad f- originally apparently cognates. comes from the OED has a guess on it. Most people don't know, or sorry, not most people don't know. That's re- absurd. Uh, it is not <laughs> known for certain, but the OED thinks that it's possible that it might be from the uh, past tense of led like someone who is led by a lord or a leader of some kind oh I was lad so <laughs> now yeah, I, I was man. I was lad by my lord <laughs> I was lad by the lord <laughs> um, gotcha and, okay. uh, 
holy shit and lady apparently ultimately derives from bread made half diga <laughs> bread made yes there's a lot of weird things like that like woman comes from wife men wife, wife man, man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because in contrast to the like a uh, man, but you know a wife, yeah, no, but like a wife, like a man you have for a wife, <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> no, because homo. in contrast to a lot of <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of man, man. No, this is a wife, man. Um, now, what because about, in contrast um, to the um, to the what? What what about a husband woman? Can I get one of those? <laughs> a husband woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you should go. I was gonna make Cameron. I was gonna make some trashy trashy joke about uh, going to a sex shop and getting a strap on, but I'm not gonna go there tonight. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe if I drink a little more happy juice. <laughs> that's for that's for the back half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> back half. I get it. You son of a bitch. Oh. Um, oh, I was just going to say, in contrast to uh, current times grammatical pedance and uh, uh, prescriptivist uh, dumbasses, um, the word man actually used to be legitimately gender neutral in like old English, like a thousand years ago. Or not quite that long ago, but a long time ago. Um, well, you it heard it here, these folks. Days. Uh, Nathan is anti they. <laughs> Uh, okay. Nathan is the new Elon yeah. Musk thinks uh, pronouns it's are true. stupid. <laughs> I insist on dead naming everyone I meet and uh, referring to them by whatever uh, gender they may have been misassigned at birth. And uh, I'm doing that for unfathomable reasons that are mostly about um, upholding a particular status quo and hierarchy and power structure. And, and, and maybe because of it. you don't want to look into the void of your own identity. <laughs> That too, yeah. An Innocent Man. <laughs> the ninth studio album by American singer-songwriter Billy Joel was released on August 8th, 1983. It's a concept album. And in it, Billy Joel has <laughs> the concept done is, his... What if Billy Joel was innocent? <laughs> yeah, what if, what if Billy Joel was not this? guilty? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Billy Joel has done his most Garth Brooks move yet. And in, in that, he has decided to just do a bunch of uh, songs in the style of other people. He's just decided like, oh, I'm going to write a James Brown song or I'm going to write a Frankie Valley song and I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to be Frankie Valley for a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's actually kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed it. I like I this album pretty really well. Liked- it's It feels yeah. very lightweight. Um, yes, I suspect but I kind because- of like it. Yeah, I, I suspect because a lot of the material that he's drawing from is dance music and is right. like intentionally lightweight. Um, a lot of it is. Um, and yeah. uh, but I, I kind of enjoy I like I like the idea of writing in a form. I think that when you set a limitation for yourself or, or set a goal um, for a specific for for a song to do something specific, um, mm-hmm. then it you, you have a context for being able to appreciate it, and you can also enjoy the game of someone writing within a vernacular. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I found that part of it engaging. 
I used to think for the longest time was like kind of hacky for some reason. Um, oh. But but listening to it uh, in this album, I'm just like, this is great. This is like a pretty good song. It's like a solid song as far as like lyrics go. The melody is. I think it's very good. Yeah, the melody is really good um, yeah. and interesting. And there are a lot of Billy Joel, like kind of modern Billy Joel things that shine through that I don't think would necessarily be in a doo-wop song that make it. I was talking to Paul Brown um, and maybe I can put a link to this uh, in the episode. Uh, Paul Brown, uh, fantastic um, old time musician, studied banjo with Tommy Jarrell back in the, back in the day. Also was like an NPR um, dude. Uh, uh, anyway, um, he, when I was talking to him, on get up in the cool my other podcast um you have another podcast yes <laughs> yeah you're <gasps> no. actually the other you're actually the other podcast i'm sorry to tell you oh no oh no <laughs> you're the mistress I always podcast feared, feared as much mm. uh he was saying that like essentially that playing traditional music which is what he does and what i do um he, he was sort of saying that like when it's done at its best, it's it's when you're sort of trying your best to emulate the tradition bearers and what they played, but ultimately uh, fail through sort of organic transcription errors, you know, and mm-hmm. make something new. I was just going to say, Frank Zappa said anything played wrong twice in a row is the beginning of, a, of an arrangement. Yeah, uh, I have gotten to the point in my playing where if I make a mistake, I will just do it again. And it, <laughs> it really, it's a really, it's really empowering. <laughs> yeah. Um, and kind of in kind of a belligerent way. But uh, yeah, so I think it's really fun to watch Billy Joel write within different traditions, songwriting traditions, and then inevitably a little bit of him comes through um that is not precedented in the tradition and that's where Mm -hmm. things i think kind of get interesting yeah um so wikipedia has some very interesting uh background about this album uh it says when he was recording this album he was newly divorced from his first wife elizabeth weber and was single for the first time since achieving rock star status he had the opportunity to date supermodels like Elle McPherson and Christy Brinkley. And because of these experiences, he said, quote, I kind of felt like a teenager all over again, unquote. Joel started writing songs in the same style as pop songs that he remembered from his teenage years, citing pop music from the late 1950s and early 1960s, including, quote, early R&B songs in the Four Seasons and the Motown music, soul music, unquote. According to Joel, the various songs weren't meant to be autobiographical and instead center around various made up characters. So I feel like, I like that's that a idea that he, he was just having a bunch of sex with <laughs> like yeah. different different ladies, and he's like, "I'm going to make an album." <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> you make me feel uh, young again, baby. Uh, yeah. Uh, should we start talking about these songs? Sure. I guess we can talk about the first one. Is that a good place to start? It's called yeah, Easy Money. Easy Money. Take me to the action, take me to the track Take me to a party if they're threatening the back I've been working all my life, can't afford to wait Let me 
So Wikipedia helpfully uh, lists each song and what it's an homage to, which I think they might have done for a Garth Brooks album or something like that. Mm. I, I seem to remember something like that happening with Garth Brooks. So this is a an homage to James Brown and Wilson Pickett is what Wikipedia says. Uh, he, there's definitely some James Brown isms in the beginning, like some specific like kind of noises yep. and things like that mm-hmm. uh different imperatives he doesn't say get on say up it, but say things in say it say it that. loud say it loud do say do say it loud i implore oh, you oh please oh please say it loud <laughs> uh the beginning of the genius lyrics um for this song just says uh ooh uh ah <laughs> <laughs> that seems pretty accurate What's this? Uh, what's this song about? It's just da- gambling about having a gambling. You don't have problem. to talk all night. I'm a man who can't say no. You don't have to twist my arm. Just point me where you want to go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to the party. If they're betting in the back, I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her I'll be late. Ooh, I want the easy, mm, easy, easy money. I could get lucky. Oh, things could go right. Is he just going out to try to cheat on his wife? Is that what this song's about? I don't think this song's metaphorical. I think this song's about literal gambling. Just straight up literally just going out <laughs> yeah. to gamble? I think so. I mean, I you don't, don't know if it's in yeah. the text. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I want the easy easy money. I want the good times. I got a hot slot machine of a system ready to go. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think about <laughs> that, Cameron? Some more pegging talk. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't have to start a fire. I'm a man who can't say no. If you've got a little risky business, just point me where you want to go. It seems suggestive, but most of the rest of the lyrics are just about straight-up gambling. Suggestive of gambling. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's all gambling innuendo. <laughs> yep. He if does say, I can I get mean. lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want no hard cash. I just want the easy money. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, that's basically it. Uh, the thing to me that feels like James, uh, sorry, that feels like Billy Joel coming through is uh-huh. this horn section. Even though it it does it does sound <laughs> do you have a touch like screen, Cameron. <laughs> I do have a touch screen, but I'm trying to get a hair off my screen. <laughs> this oh, is I see. Not entertaining it just seems for very... the podcast audience, and I refuse. Yeah, to it's, it's hard for it the listeners to mind. see. <laughs> There was just a big disembodied hand just reaching for me. Uh, it's just like my dreams that I have. <laughs> so, the horn part, the horn section. The horny part. It sounds really, really bizarre in that chorus. Like, if you play that same sound sample, um, it kind of goes all over the place in a way <laughs> that doesn't feel as natural as i would expect from like a james brown uh, a james brown recording hmm. just james yeah. brown it's, james listen when brown. it goes take me to the track take me to a party if they're in the back i've been 
for the very sax going on here. Here comes the chorus. Yeah. I feel like the, the difference that's happening there is so many of so many of those old like James Brown records and to like soul and Motown music also um, the horns are like actually playing lines or like little melodies or something whereas here it just feels like they're playing these little like stabs or like accents like they're not playing like their own little melody it's just like here's a like of this one note that's going to punctuate the rest of what's going on in this song. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the accents don't seem to really correspond with what's going on in the singing. <laughs> like <laughs> They just ask and, the saxophonist uh, to play a random note. <laughs> yeah. It's re- it's really interesting, but it, if you were to like get a stem of just the horn parts, it would to me I it would sound like Schoenberg or something. <laughs> like it's really like <laughs> uh it's really strange rhythmically. It's very angular and not funky, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I, I like it. Yeah. It's a, like I said, I think that's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, you have yeah, a sound sample he, for. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. There's Big a delay. halftime transition. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that the chord progression is sort of distractingly modern. Um, there's a, You'll recognize the chord progression. Um, it's. It exists in like I don't know ninety percent of pop songs in the last twenty years, um, and mm-hmm. uh, that that's a moment that feels like it takes me out of the pastiche in a in a way that I don't really like personally. Right, very subjective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be right with you. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. This is, listening to this song just made me think of that. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! <sighs> wow! All right, don't do it again. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm guarding. I'm guarding. Here's my a heart. real one. No, oh, but Bruce Willis. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> oh. Rock yeah, me, baby, that's like a, a wagon point. Like, wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like it, in terms of like the rhythmic halftime thing and like the kind of funkiness of the drumming. It sounds very James Brown, but I can he- I can hear what you're saying about like the more modern chord progression that doesn't sound like a James Brown chord progression. Yeah, Bell. <laughs> yeah, except for it doesn't go ba 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 ba. That would be more yeah, interesting exactly. if it just went, f- went full wedding after that. Yeah. <laughs> if they just transitioned into the canon in yeah. D. Why not? Canon in D's nuts more like. <laughs> All right. Let me write that yeah. in the episode. <laughs> canon in D's nuts. Great. All right. You ready Lovely. for Bofa? Sorry. Canon ready for Bofa? Both Am of these I? nuts. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that was. God damn it, Nathan. <laughs> Sorry, I meant by both of these nuts, I meant An Innocent Man, the titular song from this album. To hear you cry because I am an innocent 
sounds kind of boring to me. What do you think? Um, yeah, like I think anytime I hear those kinds of strings, I get a little sleepy. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah, this is a song about uh, trying to date someone who's who's who has trust issues, and the speaker says that you know the trust issues seem to be earned um and like legitimate he he comes right out and says it and says i know you're only protecting yourself i know you're thinking of somebody else someone who hurt you so he just he just throws it out there and uh and he he basically keeps saying you know i am patient because i am innocent and that is sort of proof of my innocence that like I'm not going to be like, well, why won't you like put out essentially? <laughs> or why won't yeah. you like, I mean, me, that's sort of context clues with like the gender dynamics, but I don't think it's like, you should marry me necessarily. Like, or like, right, why do you exactly. have commitment issues? I think it's like, come on, it's more than Let's words. <laughs> mm. uh, Billy Joel, the original nice man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not much. like all those other guys. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a fedora and he tips it to her. And <laughs> um, at one point, I, I do I do believe it gets a little bit manipulative. Malad. Do you want to, <laughs> Malad? Yeah. Do you do you want to play that sound sample? This is yeah. the bridge. Sure. He says, that's your decision. That's your decision, but I'm not. Yeah, he just, what, what happened to it? it? It just went silent for like a chunk of that. Well, there's a triangle part. Um, and I don't know if it'll come oh. through in the episode. A love <laughs> I don't know triangle if, part? If the, yeah. <laughs> mm, take mm-hmm. the camera from Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mugging the camera a lot since Cameron can see me now. Um, yeah, I've I got him squirreled away on the bottom left hand uh, corner of my screen every once in a while I'll just check to see if he's <laughs> if I'm making a shitty face at you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then I quickly look away <laughs> uh, who can blame you yeah so it, it gets a little shitty there I think um, if you didn't hear the lyrics it's you know you only hurt yourself out of spite I guess you'd rather be a martyr tonight that's your decision yeah, it's a kind of patronizing. It's putting like, yeah, and it, and it's putting pressure where the rest of the song seems to be like, hey, we can take time. But then, but then it gets interesting again. You know, he says, "But I'm not below anybody I know. If there's a chance of resurrecting a love, I'm not above hmm. going back to the start to find out where the heartache began." So there, he seems to be talking about heartache. Yeah some interesting yeah. rhymes in that stanza yeah so in there he seems to be talking about more than just one night he's like let's throughout the course of a relationship let's like get to the bottom of this yeah he's like give which, me just one night una noche una noche <laughs> 98 degrees yeah well should we move on to yep. the longest so- time yeah, let's move on to the longest time. Longest if you said goodbye to me tonight, there would still be music left to write. Ah, 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 
God, this song rules. Okay, there's some interesting facts about this song. Uh, Billy Joel recorded every single vocal part himself. Yep. And not only vocals, but also uh, there's like snaps and uh, maybe some claps in there too. So he recorded all of the uh, like human instrumentation. And yes. besides all of the tracks he laid down, there was only one non-human instrument, which is a bass guitar. Um, yeah. and, and typically when like an acapella group covers the song, they'll just replace that bass guitar with a bass voice, just singing the bass guitar part. And it's just totally acapella. But this yeah, I had always is, sort of assumed uh, that it was a voice for some reason. I never actually mm-hmm. listened to it. Didn't realize it was it was Doug Stegmeyer doing his thing. Mm-hmm. The stigma, the stigman, the stigmeister, the stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah, Dougie Doug. It's a Dougie Doug world out there, you guys. Uh, boy, is it. Um, I watched the music video for this. Did you? Oh, no, I didn't. So <laughs> it's like... It, he, he appears to be like a, a teacher who's hanging around the prom at a high school uh, after it's already oh. closed down. And there is a huh. janitor. Um, and I think it's worth noting the only black character in this music video. Um, he's, he's like, are you going to be long? Um, and uh, he says, yeah, just a, just a minute. And then he starts wandering around the school with this uh, group of five other white men who are lip syncing to his tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just sort of running around the empty school at night and just snapping away and doing like little hijinks and like playing with the science stuff and the Bunsen burners mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, it's, it's kind of weirdly sad and kind of whimsical and it's strange huh. and it's kind of fun. Um, at one point they run into another like doo-wop group. That's all of Do the they same battle. They kind of hint at it, but then they don't. <laughs> Oh, Um, it's all the same people, but in like teenager clothing and like punk clothing. Wait, it's the same Um, people? Yeah, it's like Billy Joel, but in like a different shirt and instead of suits there, because like it's like one. I don't know if this is actually what it's supposed to be, but it it really looks like they're like professors or or, or high school teachers rather. And then like a, a. a uh, different doo-wop group and it's all like teenagers or something. Uh I don't know what it's, what they're trying to do at one point. They're like in the bathroom and the janitor is just like listening through the background, uh, through the bathroom door and just being like, Oh, Uh. there's some singing going on in there. (laughs) And then at one point he lip syncs the longest. Um, Uh, It's it's really silly. It's a really strange video. It's like, it's it's kind of fun and it is very well lip synced um but yeah <laughs> i would i would definitely hmm. recommend checking it out it's pretty bizarre <laughs> i'm watching some uh, of but, it uh on silent over here and it's pretty weird looking yeah it i i, I really do think it's it's kind of disturbing that it's that there's one black character and he's not really singing in any <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, I guess that was before it occurred to me that 
it was all Billy Joel's like voice, like that he did all the tracking uh-huh. himself. So maybe that I don't know. So, so what you're saying is that Billy it's Joel like should have played. He played every character in the music video and just put on blackface. That's what you're saying, Cameron. I think that's yeah, a little problematic. What, I don't think you should say that's, that. That's what I'm saying, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. And I take it back. <laughs> I accept my cancellation. <laughs> uh, um. Apparently, this is about his budding love. <laughs> the genius has some interesting uh, wording choices, but that uh, has a fun paragraph here. Um, the song was written about his budding love affair with supermodel Christy Brinkley, whom he married in 1985, a year after releasing the song. Uh, some believe that this song typifies this period in which Joel's music had lost the angst, tension, and hunger, which had made his earlier work so extraordinary. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know how. I don't know if he was. I don't know how extraordinary, extraordinary. it was. <laughs> I mean, like Captain Jack is angsty and tense and hungry, and it's not a good song. No, I wasn't that into it. Uh, this song is, I think, a better song than Captain Jack. It's uh, it has a freaking really cool melody. Uh, it's very cool that Billy Joel recorded all the parts himself. And um, it has a lot of, like, really sweet lyrics. Once I thought my... Well, I don't know about the beginning of the stanza. Once I thought my innocence was gone. Now I know that happiness goes on. That's where you found me. When you put your arms around me, I haven't been there for the longest time. Uh, that's not... Those aren't those lyrics aren't great. Um, I like the part where he says, "When you read them without the music." <laughs> yeah, I I like this stanza though. Who knows how I much further nice will go on? I was gonna read. I'm reading that stanza right now. Who knows how much further will go on? Maybe I'll be sorry when you're gone. I'll take my chances. I forgot how nice romance is. I haven't been there for the longest time. Rhyming romance so this is, is with chances. I think is clever. I'm on board with it. I sometimes yeah. I don't like those like kind of semi-forced rhymes, but I'm I'm down. I'm down to clown with Billy Joel here. <laughs> um, I don't care what consequence it brings. I have been a fool for lesser things. I want you so bad. I think you ought to know that. I intend to hold you for the longest time. That's a really sweet. That's a really sweet stanza. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think I, the I think the melody is like you said, uh, really pretty um and there's some things that i don't think i've really not that i've listened to that much doo-wop before but there are some there's some line things that i feel like are very peculiar like um uh what is he saying uh i'm looking for the words to actually sing um where does he sing i'm so inspired inspired there we go uh, what else could I do? I'm so inspired by you. That's a really strange place, I think, to end mm-hmm. a lyric. Inspired by you. It's acting you mean as just a, like melodically. Melodically. Um, ba-na-da-na. I think it's strange to end a line on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on that note, it's the uh, flat seven note, and it's it's mm. normally that's like a line cliche that's voiced in the bass, where you um, play the major one chord and then you play mm-hmm. the dominant seven major one chord, so that it goes to the four chord, which is what happens in this song. 
that hasn't happened. He goes right to the four chord. But usually, yeah, that's vo- that thing is voiced in the bass. Um, or it's stacked up in such a way that it resolves to the major third of the four chord, which is the six. So the flat seven resolves down in with a half step resolution to the six. Um, mm-hmm. But instead, uh, you know, so one of the other voices takes that note and he goes all the way down to the root of the four chord. So he goes, I'm so inspired by you that you would think it would go. Mm. I'm so inspired by you that hasn't you mm-hmm. that you would think it would go down like that, but it does not. Um, it's, it's a really interesting choice that I don't think follows typical voice leading for uh for a duop song um usually Mm. when that line cliche happens it happens in a harmony that's outlining the chords and uh the melody (laughs) does it in a really strange way instead so um i i can point that if you want to play the sound sample i think it probably happens somewhere in the sound sample and i'll and i'll point it out so people can hear it in context with the chords Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright, here comes. What else could I do? I'm so inspired by you. That hasn't happened for the longest time. Once I thought It's a really strange melody, I think. Uh, in mm-hmm. a, in a way that I like, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's very um, it's very catchy, uh, but in a kind of uncon, it's like it's very catchy. It's kind of unconventional, but also, I mean, maybe this is just like because I've heard it for years and years. It just seems like so instantly classic, you know. It it I mean, it kind of sounds like it could be a song from the fifties. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess, it's I guess there's like I modern. I wonder if people wrote it off because there hadn't been as much space from that being a cliche, like that kind of music. Oh, uh-huh. But to me, it's like, well, yeah, any sort of like uh, traditional music uh, that's acapella singing, it's like, I don't care if it's cliche or not. I think it's great. I would say yeah. it's traditional as opposed to cliche, you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel hacky at all. It feels great. Um, as a side note, apparently Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who invented uh, Hamilton, um, wrote a song parody to pass <laughs> his math class. The, the politician. <laughs> yeah, he invented Alexander yeah. Hamilton. He wrote a song parody to pass his math class, and it was called The Law of Signs. And he got a ah. bunch of people in to like come and sing it with him in his math class. And uh, fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's give him a fucking atomic wedgie, dude. Yeah. I just watched Hamilton. I finally watched it on the Disney yeah? Plus. Yeah. I should have covered that in uh, What's in the Box Weekly, our weekly well, mini show next for Christmas. Patreon supporters. Maybe I'll do it next Ooh. week. Yeah. Oh, a little organic plug there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've been meaning to watch that, too. I, I saw it live a year, t- well, a couple years ago, I guess, at this oh, point. Oh, cool. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I I talked about it in What's in the Box Weekly, our weekly mini show for supporters that people can get access to by going to support.box.website. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> but it, it would be nice to um, 
be able to relive it, especially with subtitles, because there's a lot that is easy to miss. There's a lot of density in those lyrics. Yeah, I should watch it with subtitles. That's a good idea. Yeah. I watch everything with subtitles. Uh, this is the thing I know about you. It's we true. Should, we should move on. I don't want to talk about everything. Uh, yeah. Tell her <laughs> I didn't about take it? very many sound samples. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, let's do. Let's do. Tell her about it. it. Let's do Uptown Girl. Um, I think keeping the faith is worth talking about because of what it, the content of the lyrics, and how it relates to uh, the concept of this album. So I think we should at least do those three, and maybe we should call it there. Okay, it's all yeah, negotiable. Sounds good, but yeah. All right, tell her about it. Does this sound a lot like Wake Me Up Before You Go Go as opposed it, it to It really does. <laughs> as opposed to uh, The Supremes or The Temptations or was Wake Me Up Before You Go Go also a throwback? Oh, that's a good question. It kind of is. It has like the doo-wop deep voice like do the jitterbug. Oh yeah. Um it has a, and the jitterbug it has a of course is like a throwback key change dance. too. Mm. It it doesn't do like a take it up a whole step key change in uh Wake Me Up. Before you go, go. Well, um, uh, did about da 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 but everything da 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 don't know the words to the song. Da 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 I think it's just in a different key than do the jitterbug because I think I think that part's in a different key and then it kind of switches. I see, but they might have a taken up key change at the end. They do have a taken up key change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, so that's not that's a real key change, <laughs> unless you're Beyonce. <laughs> okay. All right. There's this. There's um, this great um, Gabriel Gundecker video, by the way, uh, or it's a Vine. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to isolate it um, for the learning links, but um, it's uh, <laughs> he's one of my favorite Vine stars, and um, it's uh, that Beyonce song with all the key changes, and he's like making eggs making scrambled eggs and the in the background you hear and then he goes bring the cheese in (laughs) and they sprinkle (laughs) cheese on the eggs and that's the whole vibe (laughs) it's the best (laughs) nice (laughs) i think about that every time i cheese something cheese it up um so that that's an interesting Uh, thing to bring up for this song um because it's 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 just kind of a, a weird phenomenon um, that happens with like I grew up listening to this song because my dad had a Billy Joel greatest hits collection that I think mm. he had on cassette tape and CD and like little kids don't really get the historical like narrative of music and how things change it's it kind of all exists at once and um, you know you might hear like some Motown at the stereo over a like when you're waiting in line at the bank or you might, you know, you hear might have like a bunch AMs. of weird Al before you hear the original songs <laughs> that too, that too. Yeah. So like 
it's it's like the eternal present and everything's just kind of mixed into all this like uh just like a, a goulash of just all these like different time periods crashing against each other at the same time and so i didn't i never really got like how much of a throwback a lot of these songs are um but now listening to it with like more grown-up years i'm like this sounds so like 1950s um well like an 80s version of 1950s like you said like wake me up um wake me up inside (laughs) (laughs) that's the one yeah exactly tell her about it it is a song about uh challenging a young man to grow up essentially like get over his fucking self and uh try to be a mature adult and relating to this other person tell her about it tell her everything you feel give her every reason to accept that you're for real tell her about it tell her all your crazy dreams let her know you need her let her know how much she means so instead of mm. being like a dumb little shithead who's like eh, you're gross you girls have cooties you can be like hey uh you mean a lot to me and uh, uh i'm for real and i got crazy dreams about you and me and i feel things girl girl now- i feel things when I originally listened to this, I kind of assumed that it was about making your first proclamation of romantic interest. But now that I kind of listen to it again, I'm wondering, is it about is it about maintaining a relationship, about mm-hmm. using words of affirmation uh, in order to uh, in order to keep a relationship as opposed to using those same words to get a relationship or sex? Yeah, I mean, in verse four, he says, because now and then she'll get to worrying just because you haven't spoken for so long though you may not have done anything. Will that be a consolation when she's gone? So it sounds like they're kind of in a long term relationship. Um, Yeah, I think that makes it a better song personally. Yeah, I think so, too, that it like, uh, you know, you've been in this relationship and you have to keep uh, the romance in the relationship. You have to keep like wooing this person. You can't just like take them for granted. Kind of reminds me of one of the Garth Brooks songs about um, it's sort of calling out like toxic, like uh, masculinity, repressed emotions. And it's like, hey, you've been in this marriage with this person and you need to like have sex with your wife in a romantic way. Um, Was it the Red Strokes? I hmm, I don't think it was the Red Strokes. <laughs> you hated that song. Oh, the Red Strokes. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it was one of those. No, it's a song I actually appreciated it. Appreciated yeah. it. it. Um, you can say that again. Uh, I don't. I this. There's one interesting lyric in this, which is, "But a nice girl wouldn't tell you what you should do." Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily. I mean, it's maybe it's more about like a. Like within the culture, within a high context courtship culture, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the protocol? Whose responsibility is it to communicate what? I mean, I personally prefer uh, the only rule is consent culture where everything is negotiable, even though that's sometimes uh, stressful in some like little ways that are Mm -hmm. that are constant. I think it's better, but um, I sort of feel like that hasn't aged well, but I also kind of get it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like specifically gendering it like that is not a great step in terms of it aging well. Mm-hmm. To say a nice girl mm-hmm. wouldn't tell you what you should do. I think the charitable interpretation of that line that I could have for it is that he's just saying, like, you know, in a relationship, a good partner in a relationship is not just going to be, like, bossing you around. I think that's kind sure. of what he's getting at. 
Yeah, that he's not just she's not gonna be like, why don't you tell me you like me sometimes? She's not just like he's like you know I I was gonna use the word naggy, but that also has like kind of a gendered connotation, but that's kind of the idea I'm going for is like you wouldn't have somebody just kind of harping on you. Um, also, but he very does express gendered. it in a gendered way. <laughs> yeah. Is it harping? Yeah, isn't that's it, more it of has, like a, a musical like a slam on harpists. No, 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 no. It's about etymo- us. Etymologically related to that? No, it comes from someone. It's the, the older, like more complete expression is like someone who just keeps harping on one string, just like monotonically, uh, just mon- monotonically, <laughs> just playing the same note over and over again. Nathan is making a Monotonously. very, uh, a very suggestive motion with his finger right now in the yes. sky. <laughs> and, I, and I don't appreciate it. Turning That's how you play a harp, right? Video. <laughs> I'm just gonna start doing that now every time he does something. You actually like. did it, you son of a bitch. You said it couldn't be done, but you did it. Okay, I'm back. All right, hooray! Uh, you want to talk about Upt- Uptown Girl? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, she's an uptown girl, and she's been looking for a downtown boy, um, and that's Billy Joel. He's a downtown boy. He's he's a real downtown Griffy Nooms. Um, as a side note, this album cover it's just a photo of uh, uh, Billy Joel sitting on some steps in Soho, um, and Wikipedia helpfully points out that it's uh, right by the intersection of Mercer and Prince Street in Soho, Soho Manhattan, not Soho London. Um, and I was like, shit, I know that Mercer and Prince. And it turns out my brother used to have his office job that he went to like a block or two from there. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. I Um, wonder if he ever sat on that stoop. Maybe. The fun thing is if you look it up on Google maps here, let me see if I can share my screen. There we go. If you look it up on Google maps, um, Cameron will be able to see this, but podcast listeners won't unless they pay for the full access package um that includes the video feeds of all of these dumb video things that we're doing <laughs> i absolutely uh, will not how dare you even suggest that <laughs> I'm leaving, but what if I'm we can make more money out, making an example out of you all right <laughs> um yeah so if, if you look at it now on google street view it is the the steps are now to a prada but I the see, funny yeah. little easter egg is that there's someone sitting on those steps, just like Billy Joel, it's his Billy forefather Joel. before him. It's Billy Joel. He's <laughs> a lot skinnier and has more hair than I thought. When Whenever this was, 2018 or 2017 or whatever. Did, so. did I ever tell you yep. that um, I'm in a... <laughs> that I'm in a Bing map, like uh, Street View? The what? In, in, oh. You know, you know that Bing like did its own yeah. map thing? So I it do. Had, you know, I, yeah. like one of those cars with the with the camera th- ball on top of it that takes the uh-huh. three three sixty photos. Um, mm-hmm. There was one that uh, <laughs> passed by my street in Kensington, and so I ran oh. after it <laughs> and just sort of waved <laughs> at it a bunch. It might still be there <laughs> in, the, be. in the Bing map. <laughs> okay, now I have to look it up. 
thing. Uh, no. It's not. It's maybe not I'll do this on my own time together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh so anyway uh i i think this song's just so catchy um it's very catchy like the the beat of it uh the like four on the floor is so fun and the vocal counterpoint is awesome the the lyrics are fine um I, mm-hmm. it, the music's catchy enough that like i can kind of just get behind it you know there's I don't know, it's a pretty basic concept that there's this, like, you know, kind of uh, trans class uh, relationship. And um, mm-hmm. I think he specifically did, uh, it's like a gender inversion of the Frankie Valley song Ragdoll, where, where Rag- there's a downtown. I don't know if I know that one. Uh, there's a downtown boy. I'm just reading this from the. Oh, I Genius see. lyrics. I'm not a Frankie Valley stand by any means. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a downtown boy, I guess, in the uh, in the lyrics. Uh, no, no, no. That's in these lyrics. Whatever. It's yeah. It's basically just the whole the same song. Oh, there's a sample of The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, it happening in The, the Simpsons. Simpsons thing that's it? great. Yeah that that's probably uh-huh. where I heard the song first. Oh, I see. Uh, the funny thing about Bing Maps is uh, that apparently they don't actually successfully blur out everyone's faces all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't used to. They've probably updated it since. Yeah, they're not Cause, super cause, successful at it. Because because Bing is, I, I guess, still thinks it's worth being like being extant. <laughs> like it hasn't. Folded. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, My favorite uh, thing about Bing is that uh, they did not think the name through very well. Um, so like, you know how Google became a verb and you would say, I Googled something. Uh, yeah. So at one point I saw someone actually in the wild saying that they used uh, Bing to search for something and they, they, they phrase it as I binged something. But when you write it out, it just looks like I binged something. <laughs> so That's a great point. Good, good job, Microsoft. <laughs> you really nailed it. Uh, I appreciate the rhotic delivery of the words like girl and world. Like he sings uptown girl. Like he really leans into it. It's yeah, like he a really hits that modern R. Modern country rap. <laughs> or yeah, something. it's like a it's like a hard R. I think is what I think you call it's that. Kind of, I think it's kind of fun. I like the affectations in this. Normally, the Billy Joel weird vocal tics kind of like. <laughs> make me confused and upset but i am kind of into that that, that (laughs) part let's let's talk Mm -hmm. about keeping the faith real quick before we close up shop the podcast shop um as a side note there's a song called christy lee yeah uh that i listened to that um for about two-thirds of the song i was convinced that well it's about a girl who loves a man because of his saxophone and for about two-thirds of the song i was convinced it it was talking about his penis but it's it seems like it's actually just about how good he plays the saxophone once again it doesn't seem like it's metaphorical (laughs) yeah it's billy joel is being so literal on this album it's very funny girl come play my slot machine (laughs) (laughs) oh boy all right keeping the faith Ashamed to say the wild boys were my friends. Oh, cause I never felt the desire to let music set me on fire. Then I was saved. Yeah. That's why I'm keeping the faith. Yeah, 
So Wikipedia says that this is um, a lyrical homage to pre-British invasion rock and roll. Interesting. I can't necessarily account for that, uh, but to me, it seems like what this song is about is about, it's about nostalgia and it's about enjoying nostalgia and then uh, ultimately about how things weren't actually well i mean it's it's in the text itself what does he what does he say you know the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems so it's sort of just like this check and balance within the album for the rest of it Mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting it is very interesting yeah so um, he, in the first half of the song, he talks a bunch about like, um, you know, packs of luckies and uh, Old Spice and Trojans He pays a lot of attention to like fashion and uh, yeah. preening and like peacocking, which I kind of enjoy. We wore matador boots. Only Flag Brothers had them with a Cuban heel. Iridescent socks with the same color shirt and a tight pair of chinos. Oh, I put on my shark skin jacket, you know, the kind with a velvet collar and Diddy Bop shades. Oh, yeah. Like it's yeah. it's not only very specific and very visual. It's like kind of a fun attention to just like clothing and fashion and fashion and presenting yourself. That like yeah, kind it's of, all rock and roll to me. <laughs> oh God, that's that's now that's now part of my vocabulary. I just say that. Diggity do. <laughs> we're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So he, it, it, I think it gets more interesting. Uh, in the second half of the song when he says you can get just so much from a good thing you can linger too long in your dreams say goodbye to the oldies but goodies because the good old days Mm. weren't always good and tomorrow ain't as bad as it seems are you listening MAGA people yeah (laughs) Uh, learn stickball as a formal education lost a lot of fights but it taught me how to lose okay Oh, I heard about sex, but not enough. I found you could mm-hmm. dance and still look tough anyway. Oh, yes, I did. I found out a man ain't just being macho. Ate an awful lot of late night driving food, drank a lot of take home pay. I thought I was That's a, a Duke clever of little line. Yes. <laughs> when I made it with a red haired girl in a Chevrolet. Oh, yeah, we were keeping the faith. Um, so he's not necessarily just straight up saying like these things were bad in comparison to the cool clothes that we used to wear or anything. Yeah. But he's, he's kind of like putting things in context, um, in a way that I think is interesting for Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's like specifically very interesting for Billy Joel considering his relationship to nostalgia is at times like very indulgent. Sometimes it's not. I feel like Garth Brooks listeners, especially. Yeah. Indulgent for his listeners, especially. Um, I feel like, like kind of pandering, I guess you could put it. Um, I feel like Garth Brooks had a very like uncomplicated, straight up pandering style of nostalgia. And Billy Joel is a lot more wistful and a lot more bittersweet. And he's, he hasn't like come right out and said it like this in a song before, but he's definitely had songs that like reflected, poorly on some of like the circumstances or experiences of the past and i appreciate that he's like yeah really reflecting on it in a meaningful way in this song garth didn't especially Uh, take to those songs i guess (laughs) no no he's he was more interested in the whatever song from 1988 or whatever that billy joel had um that he covered yeah because like the opening of the song sounds like it's just going to be a shitty 
there's there's a lot of songs like this um the wild boys were my friends oh because i never felt the desire until their music set me on fire and then i was saved yeah that's why i'm keeping the faith like rock and roll saved me and so now i'm the rock and roll guy who's gonna keep doing the rock and roll to save other people's souls like there are songs like that and they are super annoying and i don't like them yeah and i appreciate that he's like uh interrogating that and making it more complicated than just that kind of simple idea yeah, it's it's really specifically uh, germane to the to the the question of this season, which is is Billy Joel just uh, a boomer panderer, or is there something right. more there um, in the text that has been lost on some of the worst of that generation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like this is is well. On I mean, honestly, like this makes me want to. <laughs> dive into some more kind of boomer stuff and see like is this as you know like it's been a while since i've seen forrest gump you know maybe i should watch it again maybe it's as bad or worse as i remember it or maybe there's some more self-awareness there i don't remember we'll see we'll have to see i wonder i kind of doubt that it has anything i also doubt it but (laughs) you know i like i think the whole point of this exercise is like yeah, what if um, what if boomer? What if the things boomers like aren't just trash? And you know, what you know, I've had this thing happen all the time. I interface with a lot of um, boomer folkies, which mm-hmm. can be uh, as a people group an awful people group <laughs> that I yes. developed a lot of prejudice against. Um, uh, uh, f- for any of you who are listening, you're pro- and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you're probably the kind that I like, <laughs> um, mm. and you probably agree with me. Uh, but uh, this thing kept happening where, like, I would hear like a white boomer say something like pretty racially insensitive, and then they w- then if I called them on it, they would say, "Well, I'm not racist. I was at Woodstock. Like, I've heard this multiple times from different people." <laughs> That's such like an some, absurd thing to say. Yeah. It's As like, if you're automatically going to pass if you're at Woodstock. Yeah. The, like the, something you know, happened the famous there. Concert, that... <laughs> the famous concert that was organized by white people and featured mostly white people as musical performers and had mostly white attendees. Yeah. If you, go, if you went to that, they, then you can't be racist. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like... I mean... Yeah. makes me want to like yeah like th- this this is a, an interesting song and uh, yeah. gives gives boomer culture a little bit more credit than I think uh, I was want to give it yeah we'll see if he keeps it up cause or we at got least Billy Joel how many more albums to go yeah we got one two three f- three more albums to go we're almost done dog oh wow that kind of breeze yeah. by, honestly. I think it's because they're forty-minute albums, forty yes, minutes or, that or helps less. So much, yeah. Man, ICP was such a slog because every one of their albums is like ninety minutes long. Yeah, always leaving uh, one less. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, all right. Well, I, I think I that's a pretty go natural transition. Family. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next week we'll be back with Billy Joel's album "The Bridge" from nineteen eighty-six. It's a three-year gap. Um, and until that time, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. 
Um, you can go ahead and write us a review on iTunes. That would be nice. Um, if you want to support us directly, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website and get access to all of our bonus materials, including some movie episodes about ICP and ABBA movies and the long lost Eminem movie that we uh, commentary, not commentary, but uh, episode about eight mile that we keep promising to make and we will get around to eventually someday. And yes. well, we should probably throw Oliver and company in there too. Cause it's Billy Joel's yeah. song movie. <laughs> we're um, in debt at this point. Yeah, we're we're in debt, but we've had busy times. Uh, yeah, you can join our Discord. The link will be in the show notes. You can listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool, and is uh, it's all about getting all up in there in in the cool. That is, <laughs> it's a, it's a song about thoroughness or a podcast about thoroughness. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, and until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and check out the Canon and Indies nuts. <laughs> I have a camera to it and I got a hot slot machine of a system ready to go. Did you say giggity after that? I said E. Okay, that's a little better. It wasn't a word, it was just a noise. Well, I didn't know if Skype was dropping the packets or just like, um, and it, yeah, I'm relieved to hear that, I guess. Yeah, true. <laughs>